As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, the head of the table, Raptors Twitter, no matter what Baines fan club thinks right now. Blake Murphy, uh, joining me as always, Eric Kareen. Eric, what's up, man? Uh, it's a great morning to be alive, Blake. How are you? Uh, also alive. Uh, <laughs> great morning to wake up to some fun Raptors news, though. Sure, yes. That, that's more what I was referring to, but it's also sunny, sunny adjacent out. So, I yeah, mean, not I that we're allowed it. to go outside and see people or anything, but yeah. That that's true. Prettier I, to I look mean, at than all the gloom. Mm-hmm. Speaking vitamin, of, I can feel the vitamin D coming in through the windows. Speaking of pretty to look at, I awoke <laughs> this morning to a photo posted on Twitter by the Toronto Raptors of Yutha Watanabe and Bobby Webster uh, sh- shaking hands or dapping up, whatever you want to call it, uh, because the Raptors have signed Watanabe to. Uh, an NBA contract, a standard NBA contract. Uh, that's the big news of the day, of course. A nice touch from Raptors Media Relations. That deal got done yesterday, uh, but they held off the news until this morning um, and and did it early in the morning instead of a, a midday announcement like they'd normally do uh, because <laughs> it helps Japanese media beat their deadline and uh, the Japanese fans are, are still up for that news, uh, which, of course, is a big deal because Watanabe is... Uh, immensely popular back home in Japan. He was the highest selling jersey through the first half of the season in Japan. Um, and obviously, uh, Eric, I'm sure you've noticed in your mentions that uh, the D- Japanese basketball Twitter will eat up any Watanabe content. Yeah, when I when I wrote my profile about him on uh, in February, uh, I pretty much asked every coach about the following he got and... Uh, I forget which coach it was, but it was like, yeah, like they were they were there every day, every practice, and it wasn't just like, you know, how's Utah doing? Like they really wanted to know like about the ins and outs of how he was performing and, and what specifically he needed to do in order to improve his sort of spot on the team or or where he was, you know, failing relatively. Uh, and I think we've seen that on the Raptors beat. Yeah, uh, shout out to with, Takeshi. Yeah, Takeshi, who uh, 
will be maybe co-hosting this show next week. Who knows? Um, Are you taking a week off? (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Uh, But uh, I guess this would be the week to have Takashi on. Uh, but, But in all seriousness, there are like, especially lately, but there have been multiple Japanese reporters just inquiring about Utah, inquiring also just about the Raptors, because I, I, you know, I, I, I don't speak or read Japanese, but I, I'm guessing they're trying to give the full context of the team to the people who care about Utah Watanabe, and there are many of those people. Um, great story, well-deserved, uh, the dude can play. Yeah, uh, and I, like you, don't speak much Japanese other than to say Yutagun is Ichiban. Yes. There you go. Uh, by the way, that Yuto Watanabe feature that you did early in the year, uh, if you if you were a listener, uh, did not read that, go back and check it out. And if you're not a subscriber yet, you can go to theathletic.com slash we the six for a subscription that only costs you $3.99 a month. Um, it's a pretty good deal. Or you can just click on any of our articles and there's usually a, a deal that pops up there. You could go back and read Eric's feature on Watanabe. You could go back and read my feature from last week on another Raptor who got a new deal this week, Freddie Gillespie. Um, let's stick on Utah for a little bit here. Uh, so we we kind of talked about early in the year how it seemed obvious that at some point he would get converted to a standard NBA contract. The way two-way deals normally work is that the players can spend, once the G League season starts, and up until the G League playoffs end, uh, a player can spend 45 days on the NBA roster, and the rest of the time they have to spend that time in the G League, and they make a different salary depending on where they are that day. Uh, because of the pandemic and, and the need for larger rosters, the league changed that this year. First, to players can only have 50 active games, uh, and in a 72-game season as a two-way player, that's a that's a pretty good amount of games. And then they ditched it all together, and they were like, look, the two-way guys are just an extra guy. So, roster-wise, there was not a ton of need for the Raptors to convert Watanabe. However, uh, in terms of rewarding your own guys, this may, this locks in Watanabe. Um, first of all, his deal is now guaranteed for the rest of this year, uh, and he'll make some 200 to 250k more than he would have made staying on a two-way. So a nice financial reward for him. Uh, and the other thing is, it allows the Raptors to tack on a second year. Uh, that second year is completely non-guaranteed. Uh, it guarantees for a little bit if he's still on the roster a couple days after the league moratorium, uh, whenever the offseason gets going. We don't know the dates yet. And then if he makes the team next year, it fully guarantees at the start of the season. So um, a nice little deal to keep Watanabe in the development system. It at the same time rewards him for a really strong season this year. It bets on his continued growth. And obviously it's team friendly because it's non guaranteed for next year. Um, but you know, the, it gets him basically, this is them saying, Hey, we, we like you. We want to continue to develop you. Let's see where you're at after a, a full proper off season in our system. Uh, and then, you know, you're probably going to have the inside edge on a roster spot in camp next year. Uh, so pretty good con- considering Watanabe was, on the fringes of the roster at the start of the year. And I actually, um, I think I had given better odds to Alizé Johnson and O'Shea Brissett to make it just based on where guarantees were. And the fact that Paul Watson was on a two-way at that time. Watanabe's come a long way. And there have been ups and downs in that around his ankle injury and a dip in his performance coming back from that. But for the most part, he has been 
one of the biggest positive surprises, maybe the the coolest positive surprise about the entire Raptors season. Yeah, it's pretty much the only thing that justifies this whole season in Tampa is his play. Um, I, I kid, but not by much. Uh, but the really impressive thing is you, you mentioned the ankle injury and he really struggled to get playing time following that. Like even when the depth was hit because of uh, the protocols and then the forthcoming injury, the, the injuries that followed soon after, he was not really in the mix there for a bit. Uh, and I mean, I don't know what they see at practice. I, I can only go on what they say, and you know, when they speak to us. But there wasn't, you know, much discussion. He just sort of wasn't playing. And the Stanley Johnsons of the world and the DeAndre Bembrys of the world, and not to say those two guys are the, are the same, but, like, he was clearly behind. And Paul Watson seemed to leapfrog frog him, too, before he had his, you know, run-in with uh, the COVID protocols. And... Nick Nurse spoke about how he needed to be more aggressive and he needed to know what to do when he got into those in-between spots on offense. And I'd say in like the last five or six games or so, like you really see a marked improvement with his decision making, with his aggressiveness, like he's even stepping into uh, the occasional three-point like a you know not wide open three-pointer but he's also getting into the paint and you know like a the a play that certainly stands out and it was in transition but uh was when malachi flynn gave it to him last night and he uh passed it off to was it birch or boucher it was boucher uh at the end of yeah at the end of the game and it was just sort of like a little wraparound dump off pass uh to get the Raptors further ahead of the Thunder and a glorious uh, podcast win for Raptors Reasonableness over our producer, Andrew. But uh, Andrew would Andrew prefers the loss. Yes, it, so it's it a, really... It's a win-win or a win-neutral? Well, yeah, well, it, it's more complicated on our end, I suppose. Plus, plus po- Poku was uh, just steals short of the 5x5. Five five. <laughs> yeah, well, if you count uh, three-pointers missed, he, uh, he, he blew by that. Uh, uh, you mentioned anyway. Utah's offensive he, growth and yeah, uh, a little bit more. So the last 10 games, um, you know, this is obviously a, a lower bar given where he was earlier in the season. But he's averaging 8.7 points in 19.8 minutes over the over the last 10. Um, and that's obviously good. He's been super efficient in that. So even if that comes down to earth a little bit, um, you know, that's still that's still solid growth. And he's been a, a positive more often than not. Um, you know, and 8.7 points doesn't sound like a ton but if your like eighth man is giving you eight or nine points in 20 minutes off the bench you're generally in pretty good shape and And how how often was like during that really and i think we can still say they're in that stretch since they're doing what they're doing with you know the the head of the roster if you want to say but like when they were undermanned like the bench was getting outscored like 40 to 10 there were like some 52 to 15 like stuff like that so if he's coming in and he's popping like that while giving you you know the defensive versatility and reliability that he is not stopped presenting like that's 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 big yeah, I, I will say, though, um, this newfound offensive confidence, uh, his usage rate over the last 10 games is up to a downright selfish 14%. <laughs> um, 
Freddie Gillespie is the only Raptor over the last 10 games to use a smaller share of the possessions. Um, and Watanabe has the highest true shooting percentage on the team during that stretch, uh, which is to say we need as good as it's been to see Yuta uh, expand this confidence and look for his offense a little bit more. We're pushing him even further on that usage versus efficiency graph where if you can get that thing up to 15%, (laughs) if you, if you bring yourself to a a Stanley Johnson, Deandre Bembry level of usage. Oh boy. Cooking with gas, baby. Yes. Um, But I think like, it is like, that's his role. Like that's like aggressiveness when aggressiveness is called for. Like, it's not, like, initiate the offense, except it's knowing the shot clock. When he has to make a play, he makes a play. When the shot is there, take the shot. And when a driving lane is there, like, be able to make the play and the right play. So if that's, you know, a pull-up or a, or some sort of floater or trying to get all the way to the glass or dishing it off. Like, it's just... You see a, a lot more certainty, whereas he was definitely, it wasn't just passing up three pointers when he was struggling. Like he was sort of getting stuck in the middle when he had to put the ball on the floor. And I think, you know, again, the based on the usage percentage, it's not like a super high sample size, but he is making the right decisions with some confidence more often than not. Uh, one thing I think, you know, I think the next layer for him is uh, he's a pretty good passer. I, I wouldn't mind. He did have four assists on Sunday. Um, that's probably, you know, the next thing you're, you're looking for once the offensive confidence is established. But, like, in the big picture, he's a defensive specialist coming in off the bench. And if you can be – his true shooting percentage on the year is 57.4%, so a little above league average. If – that's what you are even on low usage that's a really good player to have like if you're if you're as good defensively as Watanabe is all you're looking for offensively is like don't be a minus and that's you know obviously that that's something that Stanley Johnson's run into a little bit this year or you know I've thought DeAndre Bembry has struggled when asked to kind of bring up bad units (laughs) and he looks so much better when he's in playing with a couple starters. Now that's, it's that's almost as if he's not a point guard. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I that's, would suggest that's the case for like everyone. Like, yeah. of course, everyone looks better when Kyle and Fred and Pascal are feeding them. But I think especially with those guys, which is to say, you know, Watanabe, one of the big swing skills for him has always been that three point shot and a 60 attempt sample is not, you know, it's not going to fundamentally shift defenses yet. But it doesn't even need to be a 40% shot. It's just something that, you know, again, to go back to the Stanley Johnson comparison, like, it's just something you got to take willingly and take regularly so that defenses have to think about it. Or if it swings to you, you know, you, you like, what I'm trying to say is, like, it can't swing to you and then the defense gets time to reset. Yeah. Even if they're it's... not reacting to you as a shooting threat, you have to be willing to take that and be moderately effective at it. And that's what youth has done. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, like would, Nick I wouldn't Nurse mind talk, seeing him get even a little more aggressive. Yeah, like Nick Nurse, when the Raptors played the Spurs, he was talking about pop and the, you know, 0.5 mentality to shoot, dribble, or pass, just make the decision quickly. And 
the point of it is to keep the defense moving and to keep it rotating and never let them catch up. And the Raptors aren't that, but they need their role players to veer toward that. Like there's, there's no time for those guys to get sticky with the ball. Uh, and I'm all sticky. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I, I think like, He's a player whose instincts are is not necessarily to take those shots. It, like, you know, he feels like he knows his place in the offense. And he feels he, like, even if he's not himself getting those pl- players involved, he feels like other players should be more involved than him. And there's something admirable, admirable about that. But I think, you know, we have this conversation rather frequently. Sometimes the... Uh, selfless play is to take the shot that's there because you know uh if it's not good for anybody if you let the defense reset and all of a sudden the person you pass to has a harder situation all uh to deal with all of a sudden and it's the end of shot clock type thing but look we've seen in terms of just the shot and yeah not a huge sample but we've seen now two spurts this year where he's looked not only confident taking it, but he's like hit it at a decent clip. So, you know, either like three point high varying shots will vary highly, but you know, there's the the sample is growing, and there's reason to have hope that it might stabilize at a acceptable at an acceptable place. Uh, also, the top rebounder on the Raptors who isn't Baines or Boucher. So. Oh, uh, the the way he attacked. I, I mean, I I don't want to turn this into. Uh, yes, I do. I do want yeah, to turn this into a total. Yeah, we're sixteen minutes in. It's a used upon. Yeah, uh, uh, a total love in here. But like, he is some of the better in traffic rebounds on. I, I would say especially on the offensive end, but really on both ends for for the team this year. He he mixes it up on the glass for sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Uh, okay, well, to touch on Freddie Gillespie quickly too. Uh, Gillespie got given a second 10-day contract after impressing... Um, so far, he's appeared in six games for the Raptors, averaging 16 minutes. Um, you know, by net rating, they're not the best minutes on the team. He, he's been a, they've been a slight negative in the time he's played. But also, he's a G Leaguer, just called up on a pair of 10 days. Um, he's been, you know, quite easily their, their best and most impactful offensive rebounder. Um, good screen setter could probably you know you probably want to see that defensive rebound rate tick up a little bit and then he's been very efficient on a very small diet of shots that have basically been hey here's a dump off as the clock expires or hey here's a putback opportunity off the offensive rebound you grabbed um 
Gillespie, as we kind of teed up and my feature teed up, you know, it's not... He's a 10-day call-up from the G League, and this is his first pro year. He's not someone that night to night right now you should probably be relying on for huge positive minutes, but he's certainly shown enough so far. I I mean, I think he's shown that he's worth at minimum um, developing as an NBA piece, and he's playing good rotation minutes right now. So uh, impressive couple... Impressive six games for for Gillespie. I'd be surprised if he's not kept around after the second 10-day expires on the 27th. Um, Next time we talk to you, we'll have an answer for that, maybe, because it'll be the 28th. Um, So, yeah, good vibes for for Gillespie as well. Yeah, nice little touch around the rim. Uh, You know, I I haven't seen him wildly out of place too often. Um, And even... He doesn't have like this huge athleticism or anything, but he finds a way to get in there, and uh, certainly a story worth rooting for. Uh, I co-sign Blake's feature, really good piece. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you see what some—it's uh, an oversimplification because I don't think this was their entire problem all year long. But you get some stable center play from both him and Kem Birch, and the rotations sort of work themselves out a little bit, even when you are missing four of your starters. So uh, I've been intrigued for sure. He seems His IQ seems to be pretty developed for somebody who is as raw of a talent in many ways as he is. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see more of him and more with him and Boucher together. And and as we sort of suspected when both Birch and and um, and Gillespie were brought in, it's been a real win for Chris Boucher. Mm-hmm. Playing some some power forward. We're going to talk about uh, Boucher and a little bit of the Montreal connection in just a little bit. But first, we have to we have to get a little negative about Watanabe and Gillespie here for a second. Uh, they are driving wins. The Raptors have won three in a row. The Raptors won six of their last ten. Uh, the Raptors are the hottest team in the garbage portion of the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, seeds eight through fifteen are, are just—I guess Charlotte's still kicking around at, at five hundred, but they've been outscored noticeably. And well, um, I mean, they've got good reason to be outscored noticeably. Yeah, yeah, they—they they sure are, uh, sure have, rather. Um, so. The bottom of the East has not been ultra competitive. Uh, and obviously, we, we've talked a lot about how Raptors fans are a little split on what direction the Raptors should take. Um, they have not put their best lineups forward a lot of late and have still won six of ten and, and three in a row. So they now find themselves in a three-way tie for the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference with Chicago and Washington uh, Chicago, who did look like they were going for it, but now Zach Levine is in health and safety protocols, and uh, the team doesn't look very good post-trade deadline. Uh, and the Washington Wizards, who really want it, but just may not have the horses. We'll, we'll see. Uh, and then, as the Pacers have slipped, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that you're going to catch up three games with only 14 left on the schedule, but they're slipping, and they're only three games back of the nine seed. So. Um, as a reminder, the way the play-in tournament works is it's basically, it's weird. Seven plays eight, and the winner is in. Uh, Ten plays 11, and the winner moves on. 
and then the loser of seven eight and the winner of nine ten play each other for the final seed so uh you if you're a playing team you're gonna have to win twice and if you're a seven eight team you only have to win once uh to lock that spot down anyway uh the raptors have a semi-tough schedule the rest of the way uh the wizards are probably going to be the team most motivated of that group to make it in and they, uh, have the the, Raptors, and they have the easiest schedule. The Raptors... But they are the Wizards. We, we've we talked about this a couple times over the last two years, and it looked incorrect for a little bit when the Raptors were, like, super thinned out by COVID and had that really bad losing streak around the deadline. Um, The Raptors are probably too good to tank. Like, they're they're doing this with... What do they, what do they got? They've won six of their last ten. And Kyle Lowry has played one of those games. Fred Van Vliet has played two of those games. OG and Siakam have played seven of those games. Gary Trent and DeAndre Bembry missed a couple between them. Rodney Hood missed some. Uh, they just got Ken Burge. Paul Watson missed a bunch. Boucher, Flynn, and Watanabe are the only players that have played in even in nine or ten of the last ten games. Um, every four starters have missed three or more. Uh, all five starters have missed two or more. It's, uh, if the Raptors start playing their actual lineup, I don't know that they can tank. I so mean... It might not even be a discussion. Like, what else are they supposed to do? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. You can't keep these guys out forever. Well, they might test that theory. Like, they already have a player resting for four straight games. And, you know, what I asked about uh, how... Pascal Siakam suffered his shoulder injury. I was given a, I don't know, I didn't ask him, which, you know, doesn't generally happen during the course of a normal season. Uh, that was from Nick Nurse, by the way. And this isn't to criticize the Raptors. Like, as I, I wrote last night, like, if you want teams, if you want it to stop look like teams aren't trying to win... Get rid of the incentive for teams not winning. Like, it's that simple. Uh, like, I, you're going to get more into what this season is for uh, later in the week at some point. Uh, so I don't want to step too much on that. But, like, what else are they supposed to do right now? Like, they've been given the guys rest and they've been giving... The, and some of them are injured or aren't. Like, I think it's... I don't, I don't know anything about it to be clear about anything really i don't know anything about anything i don't know to the extent these injuries are full injuries or just you know exaggerated perhaps um but they're giving those guys some time off and it's overlapped with some games against some flawed teams and they're winning like you you can't ask you know, maybe now that Utah has the contract, you can say, hey, man, you remember when you were being indecisive? Start doing that again. Like, <laughs> like, what, like what are they supposed to do? I I, uh, I, I still think the schedule is going to work against... The, I mean, it does. They have the toughest schedule remaining. They have seven left against the Nets, Jazz, Lakers, and Clippers. And and how loaded those teams are will defend will depend on health and their status sort of in their own standings concerns but 
look, this is a team with a culture that is, you know, play hard and they want to play a certain way. And while the guys have been out more often than not, they've been, you know, Nick Nurse has talked about how they're sort of playing offense uh, in an ideal fashion. And the ball is really skipping around and it's not being funneled any particular direction except you know sort of in the first quarter last night when Gary Trent was like I'm gonna take these mid-range jumpers and Malachi Flynn was totally on board with that too but they're they're generally playing the right way and there are there are worse teams (laughs) like there are worse teams who are doing the whole taking thing more expertly have you (laughs) met the magic and the thunder like like uh and the thunder are fun to be clear but like they sent a guy home, uh, and uh, and Jay Gilgis Alexander's out, and they were they'd already you know shipped off their roster for theoretical draft picks in twenty twenty six. So you can only do so much, and the Raptors don't intend to be bad beyond this year. If you want to have that conversation, we can, but I don't think now's the time. So it's not like you can share, like, just get rid of semi-useful pieces. So they're going to win some games against some flawed teams, and that's what they're doing. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I also, there's this element too of, you know, I've seen people be like, well, why did they add Birch and Gillespie if they're tanking? And it's like, first of all, Birch is, you know, as much about feeling them out for future years as it is for this year. Um, But signing an undrafted rookie out of the g league is generally not considered an anti-tank move uh and playing him 17 minutes a game or 16 minutes a game uh the 
the, I guess, difficult spot for the Raptors here is that all of their younger or interesting developmental pieces are better than the established veteran. So even if you're going, even if you're shifting things toward, well, let's focus on future years, uh, that is going to make you better because it means things like Aaron Baines, who had actually been playing a little better of late, especially defensively, um, is no longer playing a lot. Or, or Stanley Johnson's minutes decrease a little bit. Um, so, yeah. Uh, like this is like if they're gonna win playing these guys, then they're gonna win playing these guys. There's nothing and you, you can can't, do. You can't get too mad about it, or like, you shouldn't what, get. What you, you can like, get mad. Honestly, you can yell at the what, sun every morning, but like uh, it's, I, I don't think there's something to do about it except like just not try to develop, be a nihilist, and say nothing matters but the draft pick. But, and that's but not then, how the Raptors like, are going to order. Yeah, but like so. Also, functionally, like what would that look like? They rested four starters on Sunday. Exactly. Like, and like Baines didn't play, sure. But but are they like legitimately going to sign me and have me and Baines <laughs> run pick and rolls? Like they I have. I hope so. That would like help. That like would help eight your of the line, ten guys sure. in their rotation don't have guaranteed contracts for next year. Like these aren't established guys. This is. This is what a roster looks like in this situation. And, you know, we could talk uh, another time about how, you know, how messed up. And I talked with Chad Sanders about this for a one-on-one the other week. You know, how messed up the season has been developmentally. And you see guys like Flynn and Watson and Watanabe only really coming into their own now later in the year. Now that they've had those developmental reps and stuff like that. But, like, the people who are angry at the wins, I, I don't know what more they would have the Raptors do like Gary Trent jr. Was the only starter who played on Sunday and he shot nine of 25. Yeah. Like, and it, Paul Watson was O of 10 at a game after having a, a career night. Like I just, I don't know. Like, sure. If they play all four of their starters on Wednesday and they upset Brooklyn. Okay. Sure. But if they rest all their guys and they beat the Cavaliers next Monday, like, what are you going to do about that? Yeah. And, I mean, this is... Uh, like, find joy where there's joy to be yeah. found, you know? It's not even in the win, per se. It's, in fact, it's, you know, not in the win. It's like, yeah, like look at the waking up to Yuta Watanabe. Yeah. It's, it's waking and... up to the news about, about Yuta Watanabe today. It's seeing Paul Watson, you know, hit eight three-pointers in and the game. And actually smile. <laughs> yeah it's it's malachi flynn like taking you know actual developmental steps yeah, like the king of the fourth quarter <laughs> yeah. uh and, and like this is why a million times out of a million and i know we, we have to have this conversation because it's the way things work but you know i will turn this conversation toward the nba and what it incentivizes and i know they've shifted their you know how important it is to be bad like it no ma- no longer matters as much if you're the worst team versus the third worst team versus versus the fifth worst team but it still matters like every loss still is advantageous in a certain way and until they get rid of that you're going to put fans in this position where they have to encourage not only the rest uh, and, and not playing important players, they actually have to root against 
or they don't have to, but they're put in a situation where it might make sense to root against individual player development that's going to help your franchise in the long term. Like, they're put in a position where they have to think about that, where they have to, like, really analyze what's better for the team, getting a draft pick or seeing their third-string point guard, who was a first-round pick last year, develop. And that's bad. It's bad for the league. And I know it's not an easy solution. I'm not saying it is. But this is what the league gets for incentivizing losing at any level. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so... Oh, yeah. One other thing we should touch off on this. The Raptors were fined the other day, uh, not for resting players. The Spurs were fined for resting players. <laughs> the Raptors were fined, look, implicitly, yes, for resting guys too much. Uh, but the actual explanation was on the administrative side, they just misreported the details of the injuries. And then it was very funny to see the next game, Siakam has a shoulder thing. OGs has gone from his knee to his calf. Kyle's still resting. Um, the Fred hip thing is legitimate. Like we watched Fred hurt that hip. And he, you don't undergo extra MRIs just so Nick has sound bites. Um, now, I'm, I mean, I, I guess the I'm, question is, why did he come back when he came back? But well, I mean, I don't know. It's a hip injury, right? Like maybe, maybe he thought it was close, or maybe we don't have to analyze it too closely. But like, no. if like Nick Nurse said, he wasn't a hundred percent when yeah. he was pl- when he played on well, Friday. Get that so... suspension out of the way. But that—that's the thing. Like that's. It's dumb. Like, he wasn't on the injury report, even though... When I say it's dumb, I mean there's no logic to it. That's the frustrate. Like, for someone who's trying to decipher it, and who's trying to decipher, like, why Kyle Lowry can rest, but OG Ananobi can't. Like, there's no internal logic between all these injuries. Or if there is, it's tough to identify it. Anyway, we yes. don't need to get into the minutiae of this. Um, I will say... There were five teams who did not submit their in, their 830 injury reports last night for today's games. Uh, there is not there is not drama in terms of the injury reporting timing. Uh, that is a regular occurrence. Yeah, um, like basically they they were resting three players in the same game. That set off alarm bells in the league office, and there was poor communication, and the league is trying to address the optics of teams looking like they're tanking or not tanking, but you know, willingly accepting a less than competitive performance, let's say. Um, and they can't have that or they feel they can't have that appearance. And I will direct you to the previous rant. I just went on. If they actually want to fix the problem or do they just want to fix the optics? Anyway. Yeah, I think they just want to fix the optics. I, I mean, they definitely want to, but... Uh, yeah. you know, your, the per- your solution is too extreme, but... Okay, but the perverse thing is, when you just try to fix the optics, you're not going to fix the optics. Because right. teams are going to look for every single way to get around that, because you're right. incentivizing losing. I anyway. mean, look at the... And look at the Thunder. It's like okay, well, you decrease the lottery odds for the very worst teams, so we're just going to get every fucking draft pick. Yeah. It's... Like, 35 picks over the next five or seven years or whatever it is. Yeah. If there are ways to get... And there will always be ways to game the system, but... Yeah. But this is... This is the... What they... They've chosen this, and I find it distasteful 
like not even on the Raptors' behalf, but like it's just, it's a joke. Like, yeah, the, I, the, I, it's a joke. I find, I understand fun. it in general, and I understand that you need to give bad teams a path to getting better. I mean, from a labor perspective, I'm anti-draft in general. Yeah, uh, but that's a larger conversation. I just, it's there's no way you can convince me that it's good for a sport that some Raptors fans want them to lose right now. Exactly. When they're, when they're in a play, well, a playoff, dick finger quote, they're in a playoff spot. Yeah. And so, like, it's been about sort of shifting the leverage of where it makes sense to lose. Right. Uh, and, and you've shifted it from bottoming out to making sure you miss the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and I would say not even that. Like, it's still better to be like if you're going to finish first or 10th or in the reverse standings yeah like it still makes sense to lose as many games as possible yeah. they've they've made it like less advantageous than it was before to lose as many games as possible but again like a, that's still the quote-unquote best position to be in yeah anyway, like right I, now right on. now the raptors are in 10th last which would give them an average expected pick of 9.2 but if they could drop two spots in the standings, their average pick would then be 7.0. So it's not like, obviously, logically, if you fall down a position, you will increase your draft position. But like we just said, like that's the difference right now of half a game. And it's a 2.2 draft pick swing, like a 2.2 spot in the draft swing. And that's the Raptors are in like the most sensitive part of that <laughs> thing right now. Yeah, and I, uh, I suppose that's why I'm screaming about it. Yes. Uh, in, in addition like, to being online ever. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, like obviously half games won't won't be a thing when the season ends because everyone plays the same number of games and in they'll theory. coin flip for the ties and stuff like that. But like, they are half a game up on Sacramento, and that covers four standing spots. So, like, had the Raptors lost yesterday, their projected draft pick today would be three spots higher than it is. Like, You know so, that Gary Trent game winner against Washington is just going to, like, end up It's being the Ben Uzo huge, of this year. Yeah, it's going to be the biggest difference maker that happened all season. Yeah, that, uh, if Indiana continues to slide in the standings, that final game of the season is going to be... Like, I joked earlier about, like, what are the Raptors going to do? Like, what are you going to do? Stab me? What are you going to do? Sign me and have me play? If the Raptors and Pacers are playing on the last game of the season and it has lottery implications, I might play. Yeah. Like, if that's the difference between 10th and 11th, which I don't think it will be, but it could no. be. Let, let's say it, it theoretically could be. Like, that would be hilarious. Uh, all right, we have some reader questions to get to, Eric, before we do our look ahead to next week. Uh, let's start with some lighter ones. First one comes from our pal Jay Skeets from the No Dunks podcast. He doesn't even ask a question. He just clearly wants me to bait you to get upset about <laughs> Toronto real estate. Um, we have a, a few situations developing this week. Uh, I felt more hopeless than right now, but... Uh, if, if we're doing the, if we were to do a podcast on Wednesday, I, I mean, two days from now, not today, not nine days from now, you could get a very different tone. And I suspect you will have a very different tone. Uh, but there's, there's moderate reason for hope at this very moment. 
but it is not good. Let's just say that. Okay, understood. Sorry, I, I, I think I've used all my anger up on the the untaking yes. and the NBA reward system. Go on. Uh, okay, uh, speak to keep you keeping it with messy and ugly. Uh, Paolo asks what your hair care routine is. Oh, God. Um, so as I've mentioned, oh, I think I mentioned it on, uh, your other podcast. Um, shout out to, uh, whatever, Columbia House Party. That's what it's called. Um. Rest in peace. Rest in, it's done? Well, it's, we're wrapping it up. or taking a pause for a little bit. Okay. I didn't know that. It's, it's too anyway. much. It, yeah. it, like each episode takes me like four or five hours of, of prep yeah and then the recording and so it's like it hit a point where it the raptors are playing five nights a week now and then one of my two nights free has to be a columbia house party well, recording and it's just yeah. we'll just take a little break for now well good for you i'm glad um basically what i do is, is you know i sh- after showering i don't dry i use a curly hair shampoo and conditioner and like you know i'll tousle a bit sure let's use that word but you don't like fully towel towel it up because then it would just become one giant clump which inevitably it will become after i go to sleep but uh you can really keep the curls in if you just lightly tousle it uh and so that lasts until i lie down uh, but then you get into clump territory and another shower is required, which is fine because it's good to take a shower. Well, I don't know if it's good for the environment, but generally it's good to shower every day. Yeah. Although yeah. less important now than ever. Yeah. Um, I, by the way, have leaned into now being a headband guy. Uh, I've and seen it's that. Not... It looks pretty good. I, I, I say like it, you don't it's... look like you're forcing it. Yeah, uh, I'm not quite Lourdes Gurriel, uh, but, you know, it's uh, my hair is longer than it has been my entire life since I had a mullet when I was like four or five, um, and I don't know what to do with it, and I don't really want to wear like a hat around the house all day, uh, so yeah, I'm a headband guy now. Yeah. Me, me, Paul Watson, Lourdes Gurriel. Yeah, maybe uh, a streak at blue, like, yeah, like Lourdes? Maybe. I mean, look, it wouldn't be the first time in my life I had stupid hair colors. <laughs> That's uh, maybe an off-season episode. The stu- stupidest fashion and, and uh, uh, appearance choices we've made in our lives. Yeah. Um, so, okay, another question. Uh, one more light one before we get into a serious one. Uh, best single word Scrabble score you've had? That comes I, from Ad- J. Adam Brown. Yeah, I don't remember what the word was, but it was over two triple word scores. Um, and it was, I believe it was 131 points, uh, which is not like as far as biggest Scrabble word scores go, uh, is not like massive. I I think there was a story recently about somebody from Nova Scotia or, or something like getting quizzers across two triple words and getting like, and you know, either the Q or the Z was on a, uh, a double word a double letter and that got her like 300 points or, or something like that. But, uh, 131, you know, you're doing okay. Uh, when you get two triple word scores, does, is it like exponential? So you get like one triple and then it triples again. Like it's, I uh... believe that's the way it, uh, now I'm, I'm not positive. I believe 
that's how it works. Um, but like, part of that doesn't make sense to me because your average triple word score is somewhere around, like if it's just one triple word, and I'm not good enough at math to figure this out, but like, let's say your average triple word score is like 70 points. Um, or your your average triple word bingo, I should say. No, I'm okay. Let's 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 scrap okay? this. No, I, I was I was conflating two two separate issues. I was conflating the the bingo and the triple word score. So I'd say your average bingo, which is when you get all your letters out in the same move, is worth about seventy points. If it grows across a triple word score, if it's just sort of a normal word, it gets up to like eighty five or ninety points maybe. So I can't do the math if it makes sense that it add, that two triple word scores would add up exponentially or not. I think it's the way it works because I don't know how else it would work, but I'm not positive. Cool. Uh, all right. Real basketball question now from Liam. Uh, is Montreal the next hotbed after Toronto as a, as a basketball city in Canada? Uh, that question, of course, stemming from uh, Lou Dort having one of the Lou best Dort. games ever for a Canadian against the Raptors on Sunday, uh, but not having enough to defeat Chris Boucher, also from Montreal, and uh, Dort getting flattened on a Ken Birch screen, also from Montreal, to set up a Chris Boucher dagger three. A uh, lot of Montreal in last night's game. Three guys from Montreal starting, uh, playing big roles, having good games, having great seasons. Uh, in Birch's case, you know, only more recently. But, um, I mean, Dort's awesome. Boucher's great. We've got some other guys in the pipeline uh, from there. Uh, sadly, Kareem Manet got waived by the Magic on his two-way, but he just wasn't ready to go pro yet anyway. Uh, and it, but there's some, there's a lot on the uh, on the way up. So is Montreal the next hotbed, Eric? Uh, I mean, I can't fake an answer here. I, I'm sure I could, but I'm not going to because it would be completely disingenuous. But... Uh... You know, those three players are legit. There are, uh, you know, basketball. There's certainly a longstanding basketball community there. And I'm sure these types of performances, to go along with the performances that have inspired plenty of kids from the GTA, uh, you know, they they have a bigger impact. And the 2019 championship is, you know, it doesn't only get six-year-olds and like excited about basketball. It gets twelve and thirteen-year-olds excited about basketball. Uh, so, like those kids start to come along quicker than you might think. Like these impacts can happen, you know, within five years. It doesn't have to be like a whole childhood. So, um, there's certainly reason to believe it could be. Uh, I don't want to go further than that right now, but uh, you know, it's. Uh, to be honest, it's something I hope to dig into more in the offseason. Cool. Uh, all right, last uh, last question before we get to the look ahead. Uh, this one's from Kyle. What does the Jays' batting order look like when Springer is back? Uh, good question. I don't think Semyon can continue to lead off. Springer's leading off. I, I have yeah. no doubt about that. He's led off his entire career. Yeah, I think it will be Springer... Bichette, Guerrero, when Teoscar's back, it will probably be Teoscar. Uh, then maybe Semyon, uh, Telez, if he's your DH. Uh, 
who am I? Uh, Biggio. And I then like who Biggio are... as a nine guy. Okay, well, who I, are, actually, we're, le- we're yeah, left with ta- we're left with catcher Biggio and who? Yeah. Who am I missing? Uh, oh, the, Gurriel. I miss it. Yeah, I'm missing Richard Gurriel. Richard Davis or so. Uh, uh, I, I, I would, yeah, I would say actually Gurriel seventh, Biggio yeah. eighth, and uh, catcher ninth. Unless it's like Kirk changes the conversation a bit if it's yeah. Jets that he's batting ninth. All right, uh, let's get back to basketball for these last couple minutes. Uh, looking ahead, the Raptors play Brooklyn this week, and then they play at the New York Knicks for the rare matinee game. Uh, they only have two games this week. They have dual double off days and just one game over a five-day stretch right now, which is uh, coming off of nine games in 14 days. Couldn't be couldn't be better. Uh, before we get into making you pick, Eric, does this week make it tougher for the Raptors to sell the rest stuff? Like, like nine games in 14 days with guys post-COVID and toe infection and stuff like that. I think I think there's like a little bit of like you can you can explain it even if it's flimsy. Uh, if one of these guys is still tagged as rest at the end of this week, uh, I don't know if that'll be as easy as sell. Well, I mean, the only guy like you can't do it with anybody but Kyle, I don't think. Like, because you've already listed injuries for these guys, the other guys. So, I mean, you can do whatever you want, uh, apparently, <laughs> except not contact the league about it. But uh, <laughs> I think it should make it harder. Um, I'm still not clear why they're not listing, like, others, other than it being the truth, maybe. Like, <laughs> why they're not listing Kyle as toe, because that seems to be a ready-made excuse if that's what they want to do. Yeah, like that's um, where I, I want to scream about the internal logic again. Like, yes, th- it's there. To, it's there to emphasize. Anyway, I think the, co- the logical answer is yes to your question. It does make it harder. What will happen? I'm done trying to figure it out. Uh, do you want them to list Kyle Lowry? Parentheses has no remaining incentives in his contract to reach this year. <laughs> that would certainly. Uh, surpass dnp old as the greatest dnp of all time yeah i think um all right uh so the the raptors get the they get the nets they get the knicks in new york uh and then monday tuesday because it's only a two-game week uh and they have a monday tuesday back-to-back we'll come to you after that monday tuesday back-to-back so brooklyn at new york and then cleveland brooklyn back-to-back eric what do you got i'll go loss win win loss Chalk. Uh, well, I guess the Knicks is in chalk. The Knicks yeah, I, I, I'm. Well, yeah, I'm predicting a win over the Knicks. The Knicks aren't that good. Uh, they play. I mean, hey, they're the rare Eastern Conference team with a better point differential than the Raptors. That's true. Um, anyway, and they six in a row. Jeez. Uh, I I don't know what it's going to take for me to believe in them, but it's more than more than this. Uh, and that sort of bakes in the Raptors playing some of their better players too um anyway raptors went three and one last week i went three and one last week uh so all right there you go uh by the way if the raptors get their good players back to that one guy who is just he's not listening to this and doesn't actually consume our content i'm sure i think his name's jeff snow or something like that oh i uh, i uh mute muted him yeah. or blocked him i can't remember anyway the explanation that fred and pascal sitting is why they're winning um, during this six and four stretch, Pascal has a net rating of plus eight point nine. Fred VanVleet has a net rating of plus twenty one point four. 
OG plus 8.3. Yeah, like I wrote I wrote a big piece on Pascal in in the middle of last week or the early, early last week and like since he came back from his absence like he has like his impact is back to being what it was last year basically like in, in terms of the Raptors performing well versus the Raptors performing poorly. He's I'm not saying he's played great because it's more complicated than that, but he has driven good play or he has coincidentally been on the floor for great play for the team so if you want to say like don't don't give me your pascal siakam ewing theories because they're not supported by evidence except for win loss records over the last week like it doesn't make sense just stop yeah um stop man (laughs) yes uh so all right that's uh that's the week ahead we won't talk to you guys for a little over a week because of the way the raptor schedule lays out um you know continue to consume the written content over at theathletic.com slash raptors or theathletic.com slash we the six if you're not a subscriber yet um all sorts of good deals yeah. over there there and, should be a uh, few good collaborative pieces coming this yeah week maybe or, some or, canada or, or, basketball talk or, or uh in in honor of lou dort yeah um, who so, uh, who said after the game last night that he's looking forward to trying out for the Canadian team? Oh, which, uh, what a humble who, Canadian! I, I don't think you need to worry about trying out, but if you uh, if you say you're there and your agent and the Thunder give you the thumbs up, I think there's a spot for you. Pat. Yeah, Kem, Kem Birch called him the future of not only Canada but the league yesterday, which might be a bit strong, but like, dude's a player. Yeah, look, he is certainly the leader of all of us average height super jack dudes that's uh <laughs> yeah i'm i'm passing the leadership baton the the c on my jersey is getting passed to lou dort <laughs> whatever you have to tell yourself man yeah um look man i haven't worn sleeves in like a week it's uh it's a real scene over here there's no there's no longer any takes it's just vibes it's uh <laughs> my brain is my brain is melting uh all right man Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Um, Be good to each other. Be safe. Get your jabs, all that good stuff. Uh, Eric, thanks, man. Thank you. See ya. See ya.